Amen. So we are in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start reading in verse 24, but the, the end goal is to get to verse 33, 34. And uh, I wanted to start with 24 because I believe that 33 is connected to 24. I believe that, that without reading this first, we really can't finish the assignment of, of getting to, to verse 33. And so we'll start with verse 24. And, uh, and then we will we'll move on through that. I'm only going to read 24, 25 and, and kind of get the context of where we're going and then we'll move on. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Then he goes on and says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look, at the birds, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Amen. And as I begin to read this, uh, I begin to, to look at, this the struggle like this whole war of us trying to connect our lives it's connect the and I think we all want to connect our lives to God in a way that when it when we think about how we're serving and we're living our lives for God that all those dots make sense right have you ever have you ever been uh playing with a, a little kid and you've got this little um this uh this little pa- piece of paper and it's got all the numbers on it and then you draw the numbers you connect the numbers right and you've just assumed because you're the mature one, oh, I know this is where it goes. And then you look at the number, and it's actually 22 instead of 1. And you've connected a wrong, a wrong spot. And I think that, that that's where I want to start this morning is, is really connecting. We have to start at the right spot in order to finish what we're trying to do in our lives. What God is wanting to do in our lives, it starts with connecting the first thing first. And here he says no one can serve two masters. I think that's the first thing that's really critical in our lives is, is who do we serve, who are we loving, and who is mastering us, right? Because I believe that's, that's a huge struggle. I know for me that, that, that it's easy to think that I can love more than one thing. I mean, I love God, but I really love whatever it may be, and, and I can love a hobby or I can love uh, uh, something else. And I, I came to the conclusion that I can never love two things of equal love. That I can't say I love God, but I love my wife first, and then I'll just love God because out of me loving my wife, it flows me loving God. Because that, in essence, is opposite. It should be my ability to love my wife comes from my ability to love God first. And so there's this war, if we're honest, this morning with love. Right? We talked a little bit about that last week. There's this struggle and this war to, to connect who we are to God. And often in between that is something else that we love. Right? And so... What I wanted to, to kind of address at the very beginning is this, is that the level you pursue something becomes the measure you serve it. That, that the level you pursue something becomes the measure you serve it. And that you will never, you will never love God greater, and you will, uh, let me say it this way, you, you will never serve God greater than you love him. And a lot of us are trying to serve God out of a second or third love and we never get to the place of really serving God with our full hearts because, first of all, we don't actually put him in first place. Right? 
And so we're in this struggle of doing that. And what I love about this verse, this first verse is it exposes capacity, right? Throw me a water bottle real quick. So this water bottle says it has the capacity of 16.9 fluid ounces. And I think that what we have to understand is every one of us, if we're a container, we're 16.9 fluid ounces, right? And so what this scripture does is it exposes the capacity of what you can love and what you can't love. If you try to love something that's 20 ounces, you don't have the capacity to do it. And so a lot of times we're trying to love something that's bigger than us. And, and God is saying, look, if you will allow me to, if you will begin to love me, you will be able to love everything else within reason, within, within the design that I've created you. And, and there's a capacity that all of us have. And we're trying to live larger than our capacity. We're trying to love this thing and this thing and this thing all equal. But you can't, you, if you only sermon so but how many of you know that that if if you're if you're loving God and it's 16.9 ounces and you're and you're trying to serve him but something else then you're pouring something over here right and then you're trying to this love this over here and then you're still trying to love God but all you've got is that right and this is what we do in essence in our lives is we are trying to serve God with a capacity that is maybe three quarters or maybe even a little less like, and this is what it is, is God is saying, look, you can't serve two masters. This is what you look like when you try to serve two masters. That, that you don't have the ability to truly love me when you've poured all the love that was supposed to be for me out into other things. Right? And so we're trying to connect our ability to love God, but we keep pouring out what should be going back into God. And we're wondering, why do I not feel fulfilled? Why can't I connect the dots? Why can't I put my life in order? It's because you're trying to put everything else in front of God. You're trying to make everything else. You're not intentionally. I don't, I don't look at my life and say, man, I'm going to really put God third place today. I don't do that. But what I do is I'm like, I really needed that. I really needed that, whatever that was. I really, mm, I really needed that. And before you know it, your capacity to love God is half empty. And this is, the, this is the whole point of this, is this is exposing that what you love determines the capacity you love other things. Is that I can't love things outside of what God pours in this. So if I'm only going to God at certain points, then I'm only got a half inch, I've only got a half-empty bottle to pour out onto others. So whenever, whenever other people are being difficult and I am called to love them, my ability and my capacity to love them is only that much instead of that much. Does that make sense? That one was for free. That wasn't in the sermon. That was just all of a sudden. And so I believe that this is a war that we all have in our lives is this struggle to try to, to, try to love without having first God really pouring into us and us feeling that love first. And as I began to think of that, I, I started thinking about how many of you know that this, this is really letting us know that there is an assignment on every one of our lives. Right. When God formed you and fashioned you, he created you with an assignment. He didn't say, well, we'll just figure out as you go what's what you're called to do, what you're created for. When he formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb, he said he knew you and he purposed you right with an assignment. And so here's the struggle with that is that 
that it's easy to miss your assignment trying to obtain your aspirations. We can miss out on the actual thing that God designed us for, for the things that we've become, that we begin to love. Right? That's what this scripture is about. It's saying you can't serve two masters. You will love one and you will despise the other one. Right? You will love one and you will hate the other one. And it shows us the capacity of what we, no matter how long we've been saved or what, what may be going on in our lives, we have capacity whether we want to admit it or not. We only have the ability to love so much outside of God. I believe that our capacity, if I was to get another bottle, a larger bottle, that I believe that the more in love with God we are, the larger that capacity of that bottle gets. So now we can love other things that we are called and required to love. But you're never required to love things outside of him. You don't have the capacity to sustain love. Love should come from him, and then it's poured out on people, right? So what happens when, what happens when you and I love something other than God, right? The scripture begins to expose, we begin to neglect it. We begin to neglect something, right? I mean, if, if you've ever heard me talk about shoes, I love shoes, right? But as I've got some shoes in my closet that are a few years old, and because they're a few years old, I begin to neglect them. I don't wear them as much. Probably need to give some to you guys, right? Because what happens is that I'm always like, yeah, I got 70 shoes. That's cool. But, but how many of you know that what you, you can only love a pair of shoes? I mean, I can only love these today because I'm wearing them. I can't love another pair of shoes because they're getting neglected. I can say I love them all day long, but I'm still neglecting them, right? And so neglect is the result of loving something greater than God. Whatever, whatever, or we begin to love something else and we neglect God. Or we, we you, you, in God, you will never neglect what you're called to love. Does that make sense? You will never not be able to love whatever God's created you to love if you're in this desiring relationship with him. And a lot of us are trying to live and, and love all of these other things outside of the umbrella of God, outside of this disconnect with God. And this exposes it. And then it goes on and it says, verse 25 says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. So what happens is you begin to neglect God and then you begin to go into worry mode. Because outside of God, you begin to neglect God, and outside of him, he can't be the container that fills you. So now you have to go back to yourself and trying to love and do all the requirements that God, that, that life still requires. How many of you know that? When you leave here, no matter how great the sermon, how great the worship, life still exists. When you leave here, problems follow you, right? But the greater level and measure of love that you're connected to allows you to not neglect what needs to be accomplished, what needs to be done, and at the same time, allows you to not have to become susceptible to the, the emotions of worry because you know he is your sustainer and your provider, right? And so I think that is so important for us to understand this first because how many of you know that that worry creates a dominating thought? Worry doesn't say, oh, just worry about me a little bit. When worry comes into your life, it's all you focus about, right? It's all you focus on. It's all you are consumed with. I mean, for me, I don't ever be like, once I get worried, I'm like, oh, I'm not really, I'm not that worried. No, when worry hits you, it is a dominating thought. It takes and consumes everything about you, right? What worry doesn't say, oh, you can just think about me every now and again. Worry wants every, every ounce of who you are. And so what happens is when we disconnect from God, these other things begin to wrestle for who we are 
And then we become susceptible to them, and then we can't really become who God's calling us to be because over here we're consumed with worry. Over here we're consumed with whatever emotion or whatever struggle that we're going through, right? But in here when we're connected to God, worry has to begin to dissipate. And whatever problems they have to begin to, they have to begin to dissolve. That, you know, worry demands that you serve it. Worry doesn't say, you know, hey, you can just, you know, it demands you will serve me. I am your master. And sometimes we've fallen in love with worry. I know we don't think it, but how many times have we thought this week about something and we've become so worried that actually it's become something we love because how many of you know that what you're investing in is what you're loving? I mean, it's sad for us to think of, right, when we think of it in that context, that we are actually loving worry. But whatever you're fully committed your life to and investing your life into is what you're actually, is actually what is becoming your Lord. And then he goes on, and, and this is where we kind of get into the actual meat of the sermon here, is, is starting in verse 33. So basically from 25 down to 32, it talks about worry. He goes through six or seven verses on, like, this is why, this is Jesus talking to his, to his disciples. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And he's telling him, this is, this is the byproduct is if you worry. And he goes through the nature of God, building their faith to say, look, this, you should not have to worry because of this. You shouldn't have to struggle in this because of this. And in verse 30, I'll hit verse 31 and 32 real quick. So this is what he says. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? 31 sounds like verse 25, right? Because this is the power of worry. Worry makes you recycle and recycle and recycle your emotions and your thoughts and recycle and recycle and recycle. And you're like, Jesus is finally saying, look, it doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about your food. You don't have to worry about, about your clothes. And then he, this is where he begins to go. He says, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So what he does right here is he addresses worry is for the unbeliever. Worry is not for the believer. Why is that the case? Because this is the case. Because you're connected to a life source when you're in love with God. You're connected to a life source that should never create worry. Because the kingdom does not have lack. Right? And so... So he says, yeah, the unbelievers should have to deal with worry because they are not connected to me. They are not in relationship with me. But you, on the other hand, why are you dealing with worry? And I would ask you the same question this morning. Why are you dealing with worry? Because you are connected to a God that is unlimited in his ability to supply for you your needs. Right? This is Jesus talking this is Jesus. I mean, in case you have an issue with Peter and Paul, this is Jesus. And he says, these things dominate the thought of unbelievers. Hear that? Dominate. In other words, that is all they think about. And you know what, do you know what worry causes someone? Have you ever seen the movie or the show Hoarders? I can hardly watch it. I get anxiety just watching it. You shouldn't get anxiety. You're the Lord. No, okay. <laughs> but you know why they're hoarders. Because they never think that they're ever going to obtain enough of what they need. And so they live their lives hoarding away when they could be living their lives giving away because they're connected to a source that's greater than their need. And I think a lot of us, we look like spiritual hoarders. 
we look like that in, in the spirit realm because we, we are so, so disconnected from God in a way that, that we are so unsatisfied. So we hoard all of these things instead of allowing God to refresh us, to give us new things. New life, new perspective, new vision. I mean, that's something I'm praying for this year is, God, I want to have a new perspective of you. I've served you for years, but I want a new vision. I want a new perspective because what you've shown me last year was good for last year, but I believe, God, you're taking me into a new place this year, so I need to see a new you this year. God, I need to see a new aspect of who you are and what you want to do through my life. But see, a hoarder isn't satisfied. They don't think like that. They just think i got to go by the garbage dump and get what's in there. When the kingdom, when a person, a son or a daughter, they have access to the kingdom. And I just wonder where are we, where are, are we getting our thoughts? Are we getting all of the things that, that sustain us on a weekly basis from him or from something else? Because our, 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 from him and him addressing us is saying, look, this is for the unbeliever. Why are you thinking like this? I mean, I, I can't help but think about having a, a, a daughter and thinking of Jaylee and thinking that her whole thought process is, process is thinking, I've got to get everything I can because my parents won't provide for me. How, how devastating would that be for me and Alicia to think of that every time we do something that she grabs a Chick-fil-A box and she keeps it and she folds it up and puts it in her pocket because she's like, I don't know if I'll ever get to go to Chick-fil-A again. I never see this box again, so I've got to keep it and I've got to put it in my pocket. I mean, we're already working on her theology. She thinks that Jesus came, but Yoda brought her. So we're really in a, in a pickle here. Y'all need to pray for us. Yoda, I don't know how that happened, Kat. But anyway, she's serving something. We're working on her. But right, but how bad would that be if, if Jaylee's thought process was, I'll, I'll have to take care of myself because I don't know if mom and dad will do it. That's how Jesus feels when you and I take responsibilities into our own hands and say, oh, I'm going to provide for myself because I don't know if God's going to come through this time. Right? That is what he's addressing here. We're trying to connect, though. You can't connect, though, without God in there. You cannot connect your life without getting God in first place. This whole sermon is about putting God first. In your emotions, when you worry, to address that, say, why would I worry? I serve a God who created the earth, right? Because, see, the worry is the dominating thought. It's the first thing. It's all you're thinking about is what, how can I survive? How can I get by? But then this is how he addresses it. So he's gone through all of these stages of worry. This is what it is. He starts first with love, that you, will, you can only have you won't, your capacity to love is based on what you love, right? So he's building, uh, he's creating a sermon here, in essence, and he's saying, look, Love, it starts with love, and then whatever you love becomes what will master you. So you can have the Lord, or you can have worry. You can have Lord, or you can have money. But when the money runs out, who are you going to serve? And when the next worry comes, who are you going to serve? So he goes through there, and then this is how he addresses it. In verse 33, we've heard this, but I think there's a big difference there's a chasm between us knowing it and us doing it. Us knowing it and living it. This is what it says. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. 
So my question is, is do you, re- do you believe verses 24 through 32? And if you do, why don't you, why don't you believe the end of 33? Right? Because the end of 33 says, I will supply all the needs that you have. Name of my Bible, I completely forgot. I'm off, I'm off this morning. I apologize. So I was reading in this, in this Bible this morning or this week, and I love how the God's Word translation breaks this down because I believe it's an angle that many of us haven't really thought about. But this is what it says in verse 33. It says this, but first be concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval. Then all these things will be provided for you. And so, so what he does is he creates, he creates an order. He creates this, this line of how you process things and how you, he says first, right? That's the key thing. He says first. So in other words, there must be a second and third and fourth and fifth. If he's saying first, seek the kingdom, or first be concerned, or first consider Right. And so the the thing I want to leave you is this, is that order affects whether things serve you or you serve them. How you put things in your life determines on whether things are serving you or you're serving them. And I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we're serving things instead of things serving us, because when God is first in your life, everything else has to come into subject to that. And so now things now you don't have the capacity to serve things. Because God is first, right? So what influences your life will create a step towards purpose or a slope away from it. So I, draw the, I drew up this design this week, and I want to show you it. This is the exact same design, taking number sequence number one and taking it and moving and starting with two instead of one. Okay? So this is the sequence. Exact same design, but when you create, when you do it the right way, it creates a step in the right direction, right? It creates a step, a ladder per se, into your destiny, into your, into your purpose. But this is what happens is when you take number one and you move it and you start with number two to one, you create a slope. And so many of us are wondering, why am I not gaining traction in my life? Why am I not getting anywhere? How come I can't seem to get where I'm called to be? It's simply because you've got two in place of one. You've allowed number two to take the place of one, and so you're creating a slope in your life. You're creating this slump, and you can't get ahead without the kingdom. It, God set it up so that you would never be able to get ahead without him. Right? You cannot get ahead. I know you may have a bigger bank account than me. You may have a bigger house than me. You may have a cooler car than me, but you still are not ahead of me in the kingdom. If God is not first, you don't get ahead. And so he's addressing this, and Whatever is influencing you has the power to change you. Remember that. Whatever has influence over you has the power to change you. So this is the deal. Some of us, how are we changing? Are we changing towards looking more like a son or a daughter? Are we starting to begin to look more like the world? Well, what's influencing you is what's going to change you. Whatever is the loudest voice in your life, and this is why Jesus says seek the kingdom first, because then you begin to look like the kingdom then you begin to look like a person who can supply and who can support and can sustain other people, right? Now, how many of you know that frustration and worry are the results of the right things in the wrong order? A lot of us are frustrated. If you ever had a puzzle 
and it's whatever it may be. But how many of you know that what brings frustration is when you don't have the right puzzle piece in your hand that's a, and you don't know where it goes. And the puzzle all ha- has all the same pieces. It has every piece that you need to put it together. But what brings frustration is when, you're tr- when you grab a puzzle piece and after the 70th, 70th time, you're like, oh, my gosh, this puzzle. And it begins to bring frustration into your life because you've got all the right things, but you've got them in the wrong place. And I want you to know this morning that you have all the right things that you need to serve God and to fulfill the God call on your life. You have everything you need. There is not something that you've got to get later. Everything that God designed you with, you have need. You have it right now. I hope that you find freedom in that, that it's not that you've got to get this figured out and this figured out. Everything that you need, you have. Now, where you have it may be in the wrong place, and that's why you're in the middle of frustration. You can't get out of a, a, a mindset of frustration, and it's simply because you've got the wrong things in the wrong place. You've got the right things in the wrong place. And, you know, that, that puzzle can be so frustrating in our lives. But Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Make it a priority to put God, to put the kingdom above everything else. And I've been trying to observe my life as I've been over the last two weeks and how I put things in order, in sequence. Right? Because it's easy to be like, I mean, yeah, I mean, to do this and this and this. And we can get into this thing and it's like we just think just because we're going to church or we're doing certain things that the sequence is in perfect order. But I've realized is that that I can still be serving God but not putting him first. I can still be in love with God but not having him in the first place. I, I can still be married, but that doesn't mean my wife feels that I love her at, at first place. You see what I'm saying? Is that just because I'm married doesn't define, just because you're a believer doesn't mean that God is first. Does that make sense? And so I think that what we tend to do after observing this seeking God is I think that we tend to, we try to compartmentalize our lives with spiritual and secular. Right? And I think that that is what the enemy would love for us to do is to try to compartmentalize our lives and draw a line on it and say one, two, three, four, five, God's stuff. One, two, three, four, five, my stuff. You know, God, okay, devotional, got it. Okay, secular work. Just go down the list. But how many of you know that God set it up where you can't compartmentalize spiritual and secular? You can't compartmentalize those two. Those two were intended to go together. That's why God said, seek the kingdom of, fir- seek the kingdom of God first, and then all these things will be added unto you. Right? Because if you could do it in a sequence, then you could, you could deal with God when you needed spiritual things, but you would go deal, deal with the world when you needed other things. You would be able to box God out. You'd be able to push him out if you could compartmentalize your life. And I think that a lot of times this is what we do unconsciously is we, we, set, we, we, we compartmentalize our lives and we say, well, God, you do this stuff for me. And boss, you do this for me. Or you do, or you do whatever, whatever it may be. You fill in the, the numbers. You put whatever you want on them. But you can't compartmentalize spiritual, or sec- spiritual and secular. You just can't. You can't do it. You have to allow God to get involved in every area of your life. And as you do that, things begin to shift and change. So moving on into this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. 
So this is what I want you to, to take away from this, is that your interest in the kingdom determines what you value outside of it. If you will take an interest in the kingdom, you will be amazed at the things that you won't take interest in outside of it. You'll be amazed at the things that you won't have a desire to do or be tempted in or be struggling with. Because in the kingdom, you realize that the thing that you were struggling with outside of it actually is sustained inside the kingdom. Does that make sense? In other words, if you're a person who's living in a kingdom and you're struggling, right, to you're, you're, you're living and you're just living life and you're just trying to get a meal outside of the kingdom and you're doing whatever you can to get that meal. But when you get into the kingdom, the, you find out that the king already he provides for all of his sons and daughters. Right. And so what you do is outside of the kingdom, you're struggling to provide for yourself something that the king provides for you already. Does that make sense? And so you're trying to connect to sustain yourself when God is already sustaining you. If you will connect to him, if you will seek him first and in seeking him first, all the other things begin to line up. And so we live our lives trying to sustain ourselves when if you would just seek the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God would sustain you. I know that sounds so simple. But most of us, we don't believe that God will provide like that. We believe that we've got to go through all of these jumps and hoops and loops and all the different things before God will provide for us. When Jaylee came out of the womb, the moment she came out, we were ready to provide for her. The moment that God designed you was the moment that he said, I'm responsible for you. And so many times you don't see yourself as a son or a daughter and you think that God won't provide for you because you've been the prodigal son and you've run away. But God wanted to make sure that he put a parable in the Bible so that you could understand if you've run away and you've messed your life up and you've given all the way your inheritance, the father is still waiting for you to return. Seek the kingdom above all else and he will provide for you. Amen? How many of you know that when you begin to concern yourself with the kingdom, it eliminates energy being put and being placed in any wrong direction? There are things that you and I are so fatigued on, so worn out on, because we're putting all of this energy that could be going towards God into something that God himself could provide for you. Right? Because a lot of us are trying to find our identity, and we're going to the world, and we're trying to try this, and we're trying this, and we're trying this, when if you would just go to the kingdom, he would show you who you are. And so we, we use all of this kingdom energy that should be going towards the kingdom in, in God, and it goes into other things, and then now we're so fatigued that now we can't even get to God. It's the, you realize that's the tool of the enemy. It's to fatigue you, to wear you out, to make you so fatigued that you can't even get into the presence of God, that, you, that you're just so worn out that you can't even get there. Because he knows if you get there, he is your provider, your El Shaddai, your Jehovah Jireh, your provider. This is a strong statement, but I believe it needs to be said. Because I think that I think that, that we just expect God sometimes to do things. And as I was reading this, I think God was, Jesus was being really sweet with how he said that. He said, you seek the kingdom. 
But I think really in essence is what he was saying is this, is how can God consider our needs until we have considered him as our only solution? See, I think that we're expecting God to do everything for us, but we've not considered God. And this is what I want to challenge you with, is that this year, this would be a year that you would consider God. That you would consider God as your only solution. As your only option. How would your life be right now if you only had God and God alone? That is what he wants for us. He wants us to be dependent on him. I don't want Jaylee right now depending on any of you. You may be able to provide for her better in some ways, but you cannot provide greater measure than me and Alicia can. And I believe that this is what happens is a lot of times we, we go to other things that will never provide for us what God can. And I believe it hurts the Father's heart. I believe that that would hurt Alicia and I if Jaylee, we found out, she was like sneaking out to y'all's house getting rolls that we could cook. You know what I'm saying? This is what we do, right? That's funny, but that is a reality in the kingdom. That is a reality as believers, that we are sneaking out of the kingdom to get dry bread when God has hot rolls in the oven. That we are settling for something so less, and God is saying, like, really? Like, I just baked you something. I was reading this week in my reading plan. It was talking about the manna and how they, the Bible says that there was never and there has never been anything like it to this day. And what once started off as something like new and unique and awesome and amazing became normal to them. And I wish I could just try a little sliver of it. It said it was flaky and it was sweet and it was sustaining. And it says, and then they begin to complain. But what they forgot is that while they were complaining, God was providing. And I think it's so easy for us to lose that, that God is constantly providing, and we're oftentimes complaining. And what happens is if you miss out on God providing, you move outside of the kingdom. Psalms. 37, 4, and 5 says this. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Man, do we believe the Bible or not? Do we believe that he's good or not? If you don't believe he's good, you're going to continue to try to connect something that is never going to satisfy you. You're going to constantly try to connect and erase and try to change number one to number five and five to three and three to 20 and 20 to three. And you're going to always miss out on what God has for you because he is our sustainer. Men, if you would stand with me this morning. The statement that I want to leave you with in, in one regard is this, is that provision is given through placement. Provision is given through the placement we make on God. Many times we're not getting from God what we should be getting God from God because he's not in the right placement. 
But I believe that God is going to build a level of faith in us, that he's going to separate us and he's going to allow us to fall in love and, and be consumed with the kingdom. And out of this, I believe this is going to be a year where you, where you in, in your life, you see more of what God could, could provide than you've ever seen in your life. That you will see God move in your life this year like you've never seen him before simply because you applied Matthew 6, 33. I'm going to seek the kingdom above all things. That whenever I want to be lured away from the kingdom, I'm going to draw back into the kingdom and I'm going to put my life and faith in him. Amen? Man, if that's you this morning, you'd say, I got to put God, I got to get him at number one. I'm struggling, but I've got to get him there. If that's you this morning, man, if you would just slip your hand up real quick. I just want to pray with you this morning if that's you. You say, man, I need to, I need to consider the kingdom first. There's a lot of things that I feel like God's put on my plate, but you have not been the primary thing. So, Father, I lift up every hand, God, every hand raised, God. God, you see every, every need, God, every struggle, Lord, every, every desire, God, every struggle to try to find you, God. You see it. And, Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you would help us keep you first. God, that you would help us keep you the concern of our lives. That you would be what we would consider first. God, give us the capacity to love you in a greater way. This morning, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. You say, I want to make Christ the Lord and the Savior of my life. I want to recommit my life. I want to rededicate my life back to him. I've prayed the prayer, but I have walked away, and I haven't served him wholeheartedly. If that's you this morning, if you would, just slip your hand up real quick. I just want to pray with you. If you would, pray this prayer with me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that I'm a sinner, but I know that you died on the cross for it, that you rose again on the third day. So I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus, I ask you to reveal the destiny and the purpose you have for my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.